Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all, my, all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, so how many of you looked at the sermon title and thought that it said, Have Yourself a Theological Christmas? <laughs> or how many of you saw the word theological and just figured it must be a typo? John Gurner, our video guru in the back, he first saw it this week and thought it read, have yourself a technological Christmas. <laughs> Figures for the techie, right, on staff. But no, it is not a typo. Um, teleological is a fancy seminary word. It comes from the ancient Greek root telos. And telos means the end or the completion of something. And we find some version of that word telos 42 times in the New Testament. And just in case you are playing Trivial Pursuit this holiday, and you get the question, what was the very last word that Jesus spoke before he died on the cross? That word is telos. It is finished. In philosophy, teleology is concerned with the purpose of something. What's a thing for? What is the end of something, right? For example, Aristotle once argued that the telos of an acorn is to become an oak tree. That's its purpose. You get it? In theology, teleology is something, it focuses on God's purposes for humanity, for, for the world. So whenever you've ever asked a question like, why are we here, or what's the meaning of life? You were thinking teleologically. So, why, you may fairly ask, do I wish you a teleological Christmas? Well, every holiday has its focus, right? Um, Thanksgiving, which we just enjoyed, is about gratitude. Valentine's Day is about love. Halloween is about emotionally scarring young children. <laughs> but Christmas... Christmas is complicated. For some people, Christmas is mostly about Santa and giving gifts, and for other people, it's more about family and love. And of course, for many of us, Christmas is about Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe for you, it's all of the above or some combination. But whatever you think Christmas is about, I want to argue this morning that it's too small. To do that, I've turned to the Gospel of John. Listen again for just a few of those lines from the prologue of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness did not overcome it. It's, it's so beautiful and so profound and also so different from the other three Gospels. Luke has his shepherds and angels, and Matthew has wise travelers from the east. Mark, always in a hurry, just skips straight to Jesus' baptism. But John starts his gospel in the beginning. I mean the beginning, as in Genesis, as in God the absolute, the undivided, primordial, beyond time and space, and therefore beyond anything that we can really comprehend. And I think that's his point. The other Gospels, they, they weave a story, an extraordinary one to be sure, but still a story. The incarnation of Jesus is told with characters and a plot line. It's told on a human scale. But John's scale is cosmic. He just looks directly into the mystery and stretching for words large enough to contain it, he asks us to fathom the unfathomable. But most of us, we have trouble contemplating the inconceivable for very long. It's like when we look up at the night sky. You would think that we would just stare at such a miracle all night, every night. But we don't, do we? We pull the trash cans out to the curb. We look up for a moment. We take in the vastness of it. We take a deep breath. And then we go in and watch Netflix. It's funny, isn't it? It's odd. But I think it's just that the mystery is just too much, right? We literally can't comprehend it. And so at some point, we go inside and find something we can comprehend, and that's okay. And similarly with Christmas, I think the actual scale of Christmas, the incarnation, is so grand that we can't actually take it in. So we put it in terms that we can better understand. We, we tell it in story. We have characters, we have shepherds and wise men, mangers. These things make sense to us. Angels singing in the sky is pushing it, but we go for that. We go with it. <laughs> Isn't that what we always do with something too glorious to fully grasp? We tell it in story or poetry. We, we paint it. We sculpt it. We sing it. We do what we can to try and capture a glimmer of what we can't, like the sun, look directly at for very long. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we become so familiar and so comfortable with our stories that we forget that the stories we tell point to a story that we don't know how to tell. And in our forgetfulness, that mystery, the reality of it, of the night sky, of, of God, of Christmas, becomes too small. 
This is what happens, I think, when Christmas becomes too sentimentalized or certainly too commercialized. When Christmas becomes about too many trips to the mall or too many pumpkin spice lattes. Or even when it becomes too much about just family and friends. Even then, we can find ourselves feeling a sadness and an emptiness in the midst of all that fullness. Because in those times, we've made Christmas too small. We need to sit in the mystery. We need to step outside and take a deep breath, feel its vastness. We need to let John's unfathomable, impenetrable words pour over us again. And it's also true, I think, that when we make the mystery of God too small, we make ourselves too small. We don't see ourselves then in a large enough story. And so much, I think, of the cynicism and the anxiety that we feel these days is because we don't really think our individual lives matter that much in the grand scheme of things. We don't believe, actually, that we are a part of God's great story. But isn't that what Christmas is actually saying to us? That even in John's cosmic story, he says, what came into being in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all people. That's us. We're in the story. And I wonder how different we might think about ourselves and our lives if we took ourselves seriously enough to believe that the great story of God's purpose, God's telos, actually depends, not just includes, but depends on us now. What if we knew that it was up to each of us to do our part as best we can, as flawed as we are, to bring God's light into this world? What if we understood that we are each a part of the incarnation, part of the ongoing enfleshment of God, and that every interaction we have and every choice we make either brings more light into this world or adds to the darkness? What if we believed that? Let me say, what if we knew that? And maybe that feels like a lot of responsibility. Maybe that's why we don't want to believe it. But maybe the price of having a life that matters is that it matters. We may not get to see where the play is going or how things are going to turn out, but we need to play our part. If what came into being in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all people, then the question now is what will you and I do with the light that has been entrusted to us? What will we do? At least that's the question I end up with, thinking teleologically.